Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Some credit needs to be given before I start. Uh, Y'all's preacher didn't really come up with the idea for this sermon. My preacher did, or my pastor, Jay Cope. Uh, that's what he is to me. He's the guy that I go to for spiritual advice and biblical questions and everything. And then just as a result of a conversation that me and Jay had about a week ago today, he set the seed and I just couldn't get it out of my mind. Um, so the, the idea for this, all credit goes to Jay Cope. Um, so gosh, I, I don't, what days were we horseback this week? Tuesday and well, nearly every day, it seemed like, nearly every day. But, it, but at one point, um, I was riding, uh, not my old horse, but my new horse, Ben. I say he's my new horse. I bought him off of Mitch a couple of years ago. And, you know, he's always the new horse until you get another one. Doesn't matter if you've had him for 10 years, he's the new horse. And I was riding my new horse. And um, anyway, he's got this little deal about him. And it took me a while to finally catch on. But that son of a gun, what he'll do is he'll be walking along, and he never does it while we're working. You know, if there's a cow in front of him, he doesn't do it. But if we're just walking out to gather something or we're waiting on somebody or something like that, anybody that's ridden knows the feeling. They'll stick their front leg out, and they don't want to wear the halter, right? Either the halters or the head stall is either rubbing on them and itching them, or maybe their leg is itching, and they'll do like this on their front leg, right? It took me a long time to understand that Ben's legs itched more than any other horse I had ever seen. Well, come to find out, his legs doesn't itch. He'll throw his leg out there, and he'll itch his leg, but he's eating. Every, every time he goes down, he's acting like he's scratching. He's not doing anything except eating when he does it. Took me a long time to figure that one out. He wasn't itching. <laughs> and so we're riding along... And, and, and Mitch is right there, and we're waiting. Uh, I think Ty was getting the gate or something. And all of a sudden, I don't even have to look down. I feel that front leg go out, and I pull his head up. I'm like, I, you're not doing that. Mitch said, what are you doing? I said, this do I, I finally learned to anticipate what this horse does because he's not itching his leg. He'll, uh, uh, he'll take a bite of grass. But anyway, just in case, I'm not going to tell you what Mitch told me about his horse, just in case he ever uses it, but it's, but it's good. So uh, learning to anticipate, that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and mine and Jay's uh, conversation was about the great banquet found in Luke chapter 14. And so let me set the scene for you so you can kind of get an idea of what we're going through or what we're going to be studying. What it is, is Jesus tells a parable a parable is nothing but a story that you can learn something from, okay? And so all of these people are sitting at a big feast, okay? And in Jewish culture, there was where you sat determined, you know, what kind of person, not what kind of person you were, but like the level of notoriety, like the guest of honor always sat at a certain spot. The, the person putting it on sat in one spot, and it was very rigorous. So Jesus and a lot of people are sitting there talking and they're talking about a feast. And so one Pharisee, a Jewish guy, says, it'll be great to feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, and I'm going to paraphrase to make it easier. Jesus said, let me tell you a story. He said, there's a, 
there was a guy, a very influential master, and he wanted to have a feast for everybody. He wanted to have a party, bring everybody in, tell them that he loved them. So he sent out invites to all the influential people, right? He sent out written invitations. Go get them out. Then on the day of the feast, he tells his servant, go get all the people that I sent invitations to and bring them to my feast. So the servant says, all right, I'll do it, boss. So he strikes a long trot and he goes out to all these people and each one of them makes an excuse of why they couldn't come. When the servant goes back and tells the master, nobody's coming, the master gets mad. Now, think about this. The master has sent an invitation out. People know what day it's supposed to be on. The Bible lists three things. And at first glance, you would think, ah, well, I mean, maybe that's understandable. But think about this. The first person said that they couldn't attend because they needed to buy, that they had bought some land and they needed to go check it out. The second person said, well, I bought some oxen to pull my cart and I need to go see if they're good. And then the third people said, well, me and my wife just got married, so we can't come. See, all of these are excuses because in Jewish times, you didn't buy land that you hadn't seen, right? It was an excuse, okay? You did not go buy a team of oxen that you didn't know if it was going to pull a cart or not. An excuse. And why would a newly married couple invited to the richest guy in town's feast not want to go? You would be somebody, right? So these are all excuses. So then something amazing happens. Something amazing happens. The master of the house says, Go round up the poor, the lame, and the blind and tell them to come in. Amazing, right? But it wasn't the master's command that was amazing. It was the servant's response. It was the servant's response. Because the servant said, I already did, and we've still got room. Do you see the impact of that right there? The servant knew his master's heart, did he not? He did everything that the, that, the, that the boss told him to do. But when he saw, he knew how much food was being prepared. He knew that it was important to his master to fill up that table and to eat the food. And so when the servant says, nobody's coming, he knew that the master would say, fine then, let's invite the others. He had already gone and done it because he knew his master's heart. In Luke 14, 22, it says this. So the master says, go out and find all these people, bring them in. The servant says, what you ordered has already been done, but there is still room. What you have ordered has already been done. One of the things, and y'all hear me say this all the time, I think maybe I don't hear it as much anymore because people are scared to tell me this now, but I just don't know what God wants me to do. Well, if we knew our Father's heart and we knew the way our Father operated, then wouldn't we already, if we knew His nature, if we knew the things that He loved, if we knew the things that were important to God, can we not anticipate a little bit of what God would want us to do instead of sitting around waiting on some big shining light and a big booming voice to go, go help somebody. We don't have to ask God what he wants us to do, people. I think it's actually 
pretty self-explanatory. Today, we're going to talk about five ways that you can learn to anticipate what God wants you to do on a daily basis where you don't feel like you're floundering around. And let me tell you, just as a little precursor, especially maybe some of our people that haven't been here very often, I am not going to stand up here and give you a cookie-cutter Christian answer. I am not going to stand up here and say, well, if you want to be able to anticipate God, you need to go to church, read your Bible, and pray. That would be a short sermon, right? That's what you expect to hear. I want to give you more practical things that you can use every single day to anticipate what God might want you to do, okay? Five ways to learn to anticipate what God wants. First one, if you're going to want to anticipate, if, if helping others and being a kind person, not a nice person, I don't think God wants anybody to be nice, and for, for our scouts and others, I say that nice is okay, but nice doesn't cost you anything. God never wants us to be nice. He wants us to be kind. The difference in nice and kind, nice doesn't cost you anything. There's always a price for kindness, whether it's your time. You know, most of the time when, you, when God wants you to help people, it's never convenient. Okay? So we talk about being kind. If you're the kind of person that wants to live a kind life, these are things for you. Number one, stay focused stay focused. You've got to be intentional with what you do every day. You have to wake up and go, God, I know you're going to give me an opportunity today. Help me see it. God, I know the kind of person you want me to be today. Help me be that. God, I know who you are and I know who you love. Help me to love those same people. Listen, there are, I don't know how more I can emphasize this. There is no such thing as accidental Christianity, okay? There, there is not accidental Christianity. You're not going to wake up one day and go, I made it to heaven. I didn't even try. It, it doesn't work like that, guys. You have to be intentional. You have to be focused. You have to be deliberate, you have to look at a situation, and before we have that knee-jerk reaction like we always do to every little thing that crosses our path, we have to stop and go, how does God want me to handle this? Be deliberate in that. Be deliberate in, in doing His will. What am I trying to say? Keep your eyes on the prize. Man, if you don't know all of the good things that await you, know that they're there we don't do them so that we will uh, get rewarded here on earth. We do them because God loves us and he has asked us to love other people. So we help, we are kind to others. In other words, we keep our eyes on the prize. We keep both feet in the stirrups and our hands busy doing his work. You know, because I mean, too often in my life, I've been that Christian that, you know, I, I haven't really been riding for God. I've just been sitting on a horse wandering around. Sometimes my old legs kicked over the saddle horn, leaned over, all nonchalant and everything. If anything goes wrong, I'm toast, right? But yet that's the way we live our lives. We've got to be, if we're going to be, if we're going to know God on that level where we can anticipate what God wants, we have to be, we have to be focused. We have to be intentional. We have to be deliberate. It's not going to happen by accident. Sir, 
the servant said. What you ordered has already been done, but there is still room. There is still room, guys. There is still room. And like I said, man, our job on this earth is to get that cattle truck loaded that's headed for that narrow gate. We're going to pile as many people in it as we can because we love people and we know that God's will is that none shall perish. And he gets to use, he uses us to do the gathering. We don't do the sorting, we just do the gathering. We'll let the boss do the sorting at the end. Stay focused. Number two, do not give up. Do not give up. This is a marathon, guys, not a sprint. Man, it, sometimes it scares me when I see people that are really on fire because things that are really on fire usually go out pretty quick, right? They're just all gung-ho. Like, I'm like, ooh, settle down, settle down, settle down. Man, we can see the whites of your eyes, you know, like a colt out for the first time, you know, just wanting to do something. That's why we jip y'all around. If, we ever, if you ever come up to us with a great idea and we start running you in circles, we're trying to calm you down, okay? That's what we do here. There's a couple I think we missed this morning, Ty. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Listen, <laughs> being a Christian is not that much different than being a cowboy. That's why we use the cowboy way of life to illustrate the Christian way of life because Christianity is like working cattle. The fastest way to do it is slowly, okay? The fastest way to do it is slowly. I mean, even out there when we were doing this pasture sort the other day, we were doing a three-way pasture sort, and things can go really backwards really fast. But Ty and Mitch primarily did all the sorting. The rest of us did the holding, and they were real quiet about it. And I think we had one get by, which is an amazing accomplishment that only one got by. And it didn't even get away. It just had to trot around it and bring it right back. But it's a testament of how much Ty and Mitch and Brett and these other cowboys that we have helping us have trained our cattle and trained ourselves to do things slowly. We're in it for the long haul. And you know what? So are you. This is a marathon, not a sprint. You're not going to be able to get everything done today. Man, you know, sometimes there's not going to be anything to do. When there's nothing to do, you've got something to do, and that means rest, okay? Don't give up. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Listen, some of y'all have been riding for a while now. Some of you are brand new. Some of you may be coming back. Maybe you, maybe you haven't saddled up with Christ in, in quite a while. Maybe some of you have never done it. But I'm here to tell you that it's the greatest and hardest life there ever is when you give of yourself to others with no expectation of anything in return except what God gives you. And you realize when you live that life that that's all you really needed. Because you see, the reason that we don't give up is that the pain of discipline hurts less than the pain of regret. Let me say that again. The pain of discipline hurts less. I didn't say it didn't hurt at all because it's hard to be disciplined. It's hard to be intentional and wake up every single day to be uh, deliberate in doing his will and to keep both of our feet in the stirrup and keep our eyes on what we're trying to accomplish here. That's not easy. But the pain of discipline is better than the pain of regret. I mean, at, at the end of the day and the end of our lives, wouldn't we rather look back with, with pride? And I don't mean a pride in a, in a sinful way, but proud of your ride with God that every day that you didn't give up, that you didn't stop doing what was right just because it was hard. You can see how far you've come. The pain of discipline is a lot better than the pain of regret. Stay focused if you want to be able to anticipate 
the will of God. Stay focused. Keep it, you know, I mean, the, the Jews used to carry the Scriptures in like a little phylactery because it said to keep the Scriptures at the forefront of your mind. So the Jews just like put some words in a box and taped it to their head. I don't think that's really what God meant when he said keep the Scriptures foremost in your thoughts. But I guess if it helped you, then look, if you want a box, I'll get you a box, okay? You just don't need the box, all right? <laughs> what? <laughs> Mitch has a box? <laughs> Borrow Mitch's phylactery box? That's right, that's right. Listen, if you're going to be intentional and you're going to be able to anticipate the will of God, you got to stay focused. Don't give up. This third one might be the hardest one on the list. Don't be too hard on yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself. See, <laughs> when you ride for God, you know, what you, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be real acquainted with frustration. You're going to be real. <laughs> Why is my front row just laughing? <laughs> These are the guys that, that, that are professional ministry. They serve nearly every single day. And so when I said you'll get frustrated a bunch, they all just kind of did that little maniacal. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> exactly. So uh, anyway, you're going to get frustrated a lot. Don't be too hard on yourself, man. Listen, I don't care if you've been doing it a, a day or you've been doing it your whole life. I mean, Ty and Mitch, they outwrote me nine days out of ten, and they still miss. And you will too, and that's okay. That's okay. It's not what we want, but it's okay because you know what? You can build another loop. Our rope never runs out of loops. We only run out of try. Have you been running out of try? Because I know you didn't run out of loops, guys. You'll get, don't be too hard on yourself. You'll get frustrated. You know, life is hard enough without y'all beating yourselves up, okay? Listen, man, life will beat you down, and it doesn't need any help from you, right? Now, I'm not saying that you just go do whatever you want with no consequences. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying that a lot of times the good that you try to do, no good deed goes unpunished. And if we've learned anything in, in 11 years of ministry, that's it right there. Man, they're, they're, the highs are great, and they're not often, but it's still worth it. It's still worth it. Don't be too hard on yourself. Life is hard enough without you beating yourself up for every little, every little thing, which leads us to the next one. And we've talked about being, staying focused, right? If you want to anticipate the will of God where you don't have to wonder, well, what does God want me to do? You know what he wants you to do. Because you've focused on him and, and his nature and what he loves and what he wants. Don't give up. Don't be too hard on yourself. And the next, stay humble. Stay humble. Because let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to be intentional in your ride with God. You're not going to give up even when it gets hard, even when you're winded, even when you're thirsty. We don't quit when we're tired. We quit when we're done. It's a cowboy motto, Okay. So you're staying focused, you're not giving up, you're not being too hard on yourself. And when you do the will of God, there's going to be some really, really amazing points in your life. Do not let them go to your head. Do not let them go to your head. I mean, God is going to bless you, okay? God is going to bless you. When you do it with a pure heart, with no, when you're not looking for anything in return, you let God bless you and he will. It may not be the way you want it. It may not be right then, but he is going to bless you. But remember where you came from. Remember where you started. Because the people that we're trying to bring to Christ, that we're trying to lead to heaven, 
We were once one of those people. We were once one of those people. Your goal, the goal that we're trying to do is to benefit others, not ourselves. Do not forget that. The goal is others, not ourselves. When the goal becomes ourselves for others, you're not going to see any fruit out of that. It's going to be fun and it's going to be exciting and people are going to pay attention to you and it's all going to be crumbling down. The goal is the benefit of others, not ourselves. We leave the benefit of ourselves. If God never did anything except allow Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we could get to heaven is more than we ever deserved in our life. The goal is to benefit others, not ourselves. We'll let God do the rewarding. You know, another reason we need to stay humble, listen, I think I'm always right, okay? Me and Blake talked about this the other day. I think I'm always right. Because why would I intentionally be wrong? I mean, at no point in my entire life did somebody ask me a question and I answer it and they go, well, you just think you're right. Of course I do. Why would I give you a... Now, I think that I'm always right. Time says differently. And I acknowledge that. Looking back, I'm not always right. Okay, that's why we have to stay humble, because even if everything in your being says you're right, doesn't mean you are. Stay humble. Stay humble. And finally, finally, you got to forget the T-shirt. Forget the T-shirt. See, uh, they're real popular, but I just cannot stand the saying that says, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Because most of the people that wear those have never been there, never done that, and all they have is a T-shirt. Maybe, right? I mean, think about that. Forget about the t-shirt, because you know what? I would rather, if, you're, if you have to wear a t-shirt that says something on it, I'd rather it say, I'm there doing it, and I don't need a t-shirt. I'm there doing it. Not been there, done that. You know what that says to me? Somebody tried something one time, and they're never doing it again. That is not Christianity. We start over every minute, every day, every week, every month, every year. We start over, and we love what we do even when it's hot, even when it's cold. Because if we can just get through summer, fall, winter, and spring, we can probably catch up. <laughs> Feels that way, don't it? <laughs> My goodness. Forget the t-shirt. We don't quit when we're tired. I've already said it. We quit when we're done. That's the attitude that God wants. That's his nature. That's his nature. And you know what? At one day, we will be done. And the rest will be perfect and eternal. I don't even know if we sleep in heaven, but if we do... We'll sleep good, guys. Yay! <laughs> right? Y'all guys, every guy in here is like, yeah, amen, brother. Amen, brother. Jazz hands. Let's all, you know, let's all wave our hands in the air for that one, right? We don't need a T-shirt. And listen, as far as the T-shirt goes, and I own a couple of these. Not talking to you, Kevin. Okay, not talking to you, Kevin. But we don't need a big cross on our T-shirt as Kevin, our board member. For the ranch has a big cross on his t-shirt. And by the way, me and Kevin have the same t-shirt, don't we? I told you about that. <laughs> uh, we, don't, we do not share. We, we have the same. <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah, I'll wash it. Uh, we don't need a big cross on our t-shirt to tell, us, tell others what we believe. I hope that they see it in the way that we live our lives, right? We don't need... All these neon signs walking around drawing attention to us. We should live our lives where we draw attention to the goodness of God and how much he loves each and every one of us and how much he loves you.
Because if you haven't got anything out of here today, I mean, all of these things, they don't just apply to Christianity, they apply to life. And if you put these things into practice, you'll grow. It won't make things, it won't make anything easier. It will make you stronger. And I pray that you're stronger when you leave out of here today than you are when you walked in. Because you know what happens when we learn to anticipate the will of God? You know what the Bible calls that? Here's the big fancy church word for anticipating the will of God. Be ready. That's what being ready means. And in Matthew 24, verse 44, in the Simplified Cowboy Version, Jesus' own words when he says, Mark my words and be ready for the sun to come riding back down. And I pray that when that time comes, that every single one of y'all are ready, anticipating the will of God and doing it. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are and the lives that you allow us to lead. Lord, I know that there's some people that, that ain't into organized religion. Well, they're welcome here at Save the Cowboy with disorganized religion. God, I just we, we're not going to do things that other people do. We're just going to focus on you. We're going to focus on you and the fact that you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us so that we could go to heaven and we're going to try to drag as many people along as we can. Not, not with rules and regulations and, and shame and pointing out sins. We're going to do it by loving people and just pulling them along right next to us, even when it's hard. Even when there's no reward in sight, we're going to keep working. We're going to be diligent in everything that we do because you were diligent in your love for us as demonstrated on the cross. God, don't let anybody leave here today without the express understanding as much as humanly possible of your unending love for each of us. And God, help us to be a conduit through which that love showed to others. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I love all of you nodheads, you misfits, you people that don't think you belong, you do. Come join us at Save the Cowboy. Love y'all.